Joining the chorus, it's time for another North Melbourne Footy Club update with Dean Vasic and special guests on Hashtag Kangaroos. Welcome to another episode. So today I was joined by former North Melbourne champion uh, Lee the Turtle Harding. Went on to play 141 games, kick 157 goals for the club. Uh, it was really good. Like, I really enjoy catching up uh, with these former players like him and uh, Troy Makepeace. Uh, just getting to, yeah, just getting to uh, talk about their their career, basically. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching those two players play. So it was good to get a couple of idols that I grew up with. So, yeah, I'm not going to hold you up anymore. So here comes the interview with Lee the Turtle Harding. All right, so I'm joined here by former North Melbourne champion Lee Harding. So, Lee, where, whereabouts did you grow up and play your junior football? Uh, I grew up in a small country town called Bannockburn, which was uh, about 30 minutes out of Geelong. Right. Uh, and played most of my junior footy at, at Bannockburn. And then, uh, yeah, once, once I got to sort of 16, 17, then joined the Geelong Falcons and, um, yeah, then went through the grades from there. Oh, nice. Uh, so who were some of the like uh, players you idolised growing up, like some of the posters you had on the wall in your bedroom wall of uh, players you really admired? Yeah, I was a Geelong supporter growing up. So, Figured that. Uh, yeah, Gary Ablett Senior. Um, we used to travel around and watch him regularly. Um, you know, Gary Hocking, Liam Pickering, those sort of guys were the ones that uh, I admired and, and watched regularly. Okay, so you didn't have any like... Uh... Small crumbing forwards that uh, you idolised, like because uh, that's how, that's pretty much how you played your football. You were mainly known as a uh, small forward, so it was mainly the midfielders you sort of idolised. Yeah, well, I mean, when obviously Gary Abbott went forward, it was a little bit different. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. So, so, so watching him, and he wasn't that tall as a player. He was, you know, one eighty five or something like that. But um, yeah, obviously one of the greatest to have played the game, and uh, I was yeah very fortunate. I went used to go to pretty much every Geelong home game um, through those teenage years, and, and used to watch and admire uh, what he could his output. Oh, awesome! No, that's uh, that's good. So how did so you obviously played Geelong Falcons? So how did you end up at uh, North Melbourne? Well, I, I after my Geelong Falcons year, I actually didn't get drafted. I or or rookie or rookied in that same year. So I actually. Spent a year at Geelong in the VFL oh, yeah. uh, as a supplementary player, and then the follow the following year, obviously missed out on the draft again. But then going into the rookie draft, uh, yeah. Geelong were actually going to take me. Um, oh, okay. they, they'd sort of said they, they were going to take me as a rookie, and then it just happened that uh, I think they ended up taking Mark Blake at around pick eight or ten or something like that. Geelong, and then North Melbourne coming in and uh, I think selected me and were their first pick in the rookie draft. So. Yeah, I didn't. I had did not speak at all to anyone else other than Geelong in that in that time, and yeah, it was quite a surprise. Yeah, um, like obviously after you came to the club, did did you find out much about uh, were they keeping track of you? I think Neville Stibbard was um, the recruiter back then. Did, were they keeping? Did did you find out if they kept tabs on you or anything like that? Yeah, I think I've spoke to Neville and I've have seen Neville a couple of times over the journey. But um, yeah, I think they did sort of watch me through because I actually did a preseason going into that draft with with Geelong as well. So okay. of course they, they would have been tracking along the way. But I think they may have had some sneaky times where they went down and actually watched me at training as well. But um, yeah, but no inkling, no contact at all that they were they were keen to take me in that draft. And what uh, did they did you find out what uh, appealed to them about you? Uh, I didn't actually 
I actually didn't dig that out. Um, <laughs> no, um, no, I guess I was just yeah. I guess I was just a, a needs type thing. I was probably I was blessed with a little bit of a little bit of pace, and I was um, yeah. I also had some ability to kick some goals at times. So um, that was probably the two things, I guess. Oh, I think you're very humble. You had a lot of pace, so not just a little bit of pace. So, who, which players um, took you under their wing when you came to the club? Uh, uh, David King was was a was was very good in the early times. He was sort of a he was a halfback flanker, obviously. So, at training when you're doing sort of match stuff, he he would line up on me sometimes and sort of guide me around the paddock a little bit um, okay. around distances from ball and all that sort of stuff you don't think about when you when you're just playing the game as a kid and the kid the game sort of comes. Potentially naturally, but yeah, depths of things, and then just through um, relationships, all the all the younger guys that were, were at that time, I could come through with. I lived with uh, Digby Morrell and Adam Lang for a period of time, so they were old um, old shinboners, and then just the, the the whole crew that was in that year was uh, you saw Drew Petrie, Daniel Harris, yeah. Daniel Pratt. We we all had a very good relationship with each other in that yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's um, that's always been talked about North Melbourne. Um, I suppose the mateship that, uh, like even Kerry talks about it a lot, uh, it was a very tight-knit, close club and uh, it was everyone uh, together pretty much. So it sounds like uh, it still kicked on even after um, Kerry left the club that um, he's all kept pretty uh, pretty well in touch. I, I remember, like I spoke to Troy Makepeace a couple of weeks ago and he sort of said something similar that uh, David King took, took um, him under his wing. So obviously... Uh, yeah, he was a very good leader in that regard, trying to make players feel uh, comfortable and welcome, which is which is really good. So, yeah. So this question has been bugging me for about twenty odd years. This next one: How did you get the nickname Turtle? Uh, it was basically just uh, very easily. It was just coming out of your shell. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, nothing to do with speed or anything like that. Um, yeah, yeah, so just coming out of your shell. Um, yeah, being the person you are. Okay, sort of. So, like, obviously, well, you, you were very introverted, kept to yourself, yeah. did you? And um, yeah, once you sort of uh, got a bit more comfortable, you you got a bit out. Uh, you started talking up a bit, did you? Or well, you just get there, and then maybe a couple of beers can can bring some stuff as well. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, look, I don't know. You probably won't remember this, but I remember seeing you, David King, and Adam Lang at uh, Mooney Valley races on a harness night one night, and uh, I bought you a beer, so I assume I'm going to get one back. Uh, that was about 20 years ago now. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, was, uh, good times. Uh, so you played under Dennis Pagan, Dean Laley, and Brad Scott. How were they as coaches to you? All very different, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dennis was, yeah. I guess he, he he's probably had the most influence. Uh, I guess on the, on a career and as a as a life because he instilled some some good qualities in what you in what, who who I am and what everyone else was at North Melbourne basically. And that whole shinbone and stuff was was a testament to the way Dennis went about things. And I was probably fortunate that Dennis. He actually liked me, um, and then played me sort of early, early doors um, during during my time there. So I was a bit, I was a bit fortunate because I did play some average games, but he, he did keep selecting me there for a few weeks in a row, and he sort of got got some faith, I suppose. And um, yeah, you sort of your career blossoms a little bit from you know when a coach backs you a little bit like that. So yeah, everything I did, you know, in my career was was on the back of anything that Dennis Pagan did for me. Okay. Uh, and then that was so I had Dennis for for a couple of years, and then um, and then Dean Dean Laidley come in. He was he was a completely different in terms of he wasn't as as hard as what Dennis was. He was still quite firm, but he was a more tactician um, and and being able to move sort of people around and uh, moving the magnets and all that sort of stuff to get sort of games on his terms a little bit. And that's what um, 
that was the real big difference between him and him and Dennis. And then Brad was really at the twilight of my career. I was my last year. I only had Brad for one year. So he was, he was more of that people sort of person. Um, and it was just a yeah completely different to to what Dennis and uh, Dean had been, and um, obviously Brad went on to be a very successful coach. But I, as a coach, I only had one year with with Brad, and then and then sort of two and a little bit as a as an employee of North Melbourne once I finished uh, my career. Okay, no, very good. Yeah, no, I remember that too because Brad Scott came in two thousand and ten, didn't he? So you pretty much had Dean Layley for the majority of your career from what two thousand and two, I believe, to two thousand nine. So That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So what is uh? So what do you, when you look back, uh, what are some of your greatest career highlights? Oh, that's a good question. I, I mean, great. I guess the the greatest game I ever played in was the Jace McCartney game. Yeah. Uh, and his last one, and being able to have an influence on that game was was yeah. also um, important. I suppose that was probably my the greatest game that stood out. Um, I guess it was it's just more the journey of where you you start out as a young guy find, trying to find your way and then you become um, a little bit older and a little bit wiser and you see the, the growth of other younger people come into the footy club and where they then take the footy club at times and you see champions of the game um, that you get to play with like, you know, Archer and Colbert, Simpson, Harvey. I mean, the, the list just keeps going on. John Blakey, you just keep ticking them off, Shannon Grant. And it's more, it's more the journey and the ups and downs and the, the mateship you create along the journey um, that instills some really good qualities in your in your life going forward. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what it's all about, isn't it? So, yeah, no, it's really good. And you kicked the winning goal in that uh, Jason McCartney game from memory when he um where he uh, kicked it uh, just to pretty much the goal square and you swooped on it like you know like you do and uh, just uh, yeah slotted it through to kick the winning goal. Not many people probably remember that. So, I mean, obviously it was a big game. Uh, for the club, um, and yeah, so it was obviously a big moment for you to kick the winning goal. But uh, is it to play as a crumbing forward? Is that is that the toughest position to play on the ground? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's just, it's probably more the 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 run. Like there's there's running elements to it, and then there's just positional things that you need to uh, to get done. I think like the game's changed slightly now with um, sort of the six 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 rule where. You can be forward of the ball, that sort of stuff. But the traditional sort of small forward where you, you used to have to get right up on sort of the back of all stoppages and make sure that people were covered on the outside and then still be responsible for coming the ball inside 50. And sometimes you just, you just couldn't get back there. Um, the ball moved too fast or whatever it was. But um, I think sort of as, it, as my time finished, sort of there was always a bit more small and tall sort of inside 50 that made it a little bit easier for those coming types. But and it's still elements of the game where the forwards have to get right up the ground, and that, that always will be the case. But um, it's just the, the elements of having to cover so much territory but still be able to be forward of the ball and provide options but also you know, get to the feet of the, the big fellas if they happen to spill a few. So, um, yeah, it's a high work rate position um, and a lot of unrewarded running at times. So yeah. uh, it is difficult, but, um, yeah, when, when you do – Get opportunities to kick um, kick goals or those slight chances you get, you just got to take them because they don't they don't pop up as much anymore. Yeah, I think it was um, two thousand and three. You kicked thirty three goals, thirty two. So it could have been a, a much bigger like reward for your effort. I mean, another, another underrated part of your game was the 
pressure used to put. I mean, we, we talk these days, you know, uh, pressuring forwards. But uh, I remember you, you were very good at that role too. You had, I think you had a number of tackles, like over 50-odd in one year, so which is over two and a gain. So that's, yeah, that, that was a very underrated part of your game as well. Was that um, something that was instilled in you by coaches to put pressure on defenders? Like not, not so much stick to your man, but go after the play with the ball and make sure he doesn't uh, run and dash off. Yeah, I mean, that was always part of the small forward role. That's why it's quite, there's so many elements to it. And sometimes when you're, you're high up the ground, you are on sort of the back of some stoppages. And, you know, if an opposition team was to handball the, back, the ball back to like a wing out, it was your job to try and, to try and stop that, that outlet. Um, but also be mindful what your direct opposition is doing as well. So, yeah. you know, you're always in a position, or you get yourself in quite a few positions to actually to do tackle. But because it is a long running position that you, you need to be able to get right up and right back, but be close enough to tackle in circumstances as well. So, um, yeah, it's something that I think just through the position and through time that you actually work out the best ways to get across the paddock to get yourself in more positions, more contests, which means you either get the ball by crumbing it or however it is, but or if you don't, then you're there to obviously put pressure on tackle and, and keep the ball in your, what is it called now, your forward half. Yeah, off yeah. The yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So just to follow up a bit on that, what was the pre- preparation like for you during the week uh, playing as a small forward? Did you have to put much time and effort into uh, who you were playing on or did you just, or was it more just a focus on your own game and whoever whoever plays on you plays on you, basically? Yeah, I think in the year, early years, it's sort of like you're not sure who's going to come to you. And then yeah. over time, it sort of become a, a bit consistent with opponents and who you come up against over time. So you sort of know from week to week, who is likely to come to you. But there's also times where you're watching tapes of that player and you're, you're looking at, okay, well, did anyone um, potentially get hold of the, that defender at some time and, and what did they do differently um, and, try and, and try and work through that. So, um, But there was, also, there was also a time when, like late in my career, 2009, 10, that was, that's when sort of behind the goals vision started to come in. So majority of my time it was there was no behind the goals vision so it was just what was in the screen was was all you could see so it was also quite difficult to see um opposition and stuff like that only when they were directly involved in a contest to see how they actually used their body or or did certain elements of the game to try and combat myself or um or you know basically knew that you're in for a fight against this because they, they were quite strong in some areas yeah, I mean, did they? Did coaches come up to you and say, "Look, if you get this type of matchup, we want you to go deep into square." Whereas if you got, if you got this player on you, we want you to push up to the ground a bit more. Was there any instruction during a game like that? Yeah, that 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 would come occasionally. Um, yeah. I know that there was. Oh, generally against the West Coast, I would I would try and go to David Weirapanda. Um, oh, yeah. He was a very damaging half backer, but it was sort of like. Um, and like a Drew Banfield used to come to me a fair bit for for West Coast, so I was always trying to get to Weirapanda because it was almost like it was a tagging tagging job, but being doing it suspiciously, um, okay. just to try and keep him accountable to me. But I was pretty much accountable to him, um, and whatever he did, I was I was judged on. But yeah, and then anytime he sort of gave that little half chance that you, that you just had to take it, so. Yeah. Um, there was definitely instructions at times where you'd, we'd have to take a person deep or potentially take a person up higher because they, they wanted to 
you know, get that person out of the way a little bit as well. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, whip under is, is very damaging by foot as well. So, yeah, that uh, that probably makes a lot of sense. So, moving forward, like end of 2006, you did um, you did your ACL a training yeah. uh, towards the end of the year. You missed 2007. I believe we played finals in 2007. Uh, how hard was that mentally just doing rehab that whole time? Whereas, yeah, you're pretty much by yourself doing it all, you know, all on your own away from the playing group and just sitting there watching games in the stands. How, how hard was that um, in 2007? Yeah, it was, pre- it, was, it, was, it was pretty difficult. So I did my knee and it was the last main training session of 2006. Um, and my, my biggest re- regret to some degree about that was I'd actually never got to play in Sav Rocker's last game because oh. um, we had a relationship obviously tall forward and small forward but I never got that chance that was sort of was maybe a little bit shitty there for a while because <laughs> um, yeah you didn't get to share that that moment with that player but yeah. um, I guess yeah 2000 and that whole sort of rehab stuff yeah you are you're isolated a bit but I think it come at a really good time for me like a, a small forwards were I was Sort of, I was consistent in 2006, but uh, we had some new new young people coming through, like um, Matty Campbell and oh. Lindsay Thomas were coming through, Lee Adams, and then obviously you still had Shannon Grant and Brent Harvey playing sort of small forward, high half forward roles. Daniel Wells, that yeah, um, yeah it was it just come at a good time for me. I was able then to basically change my position, um, and I did get back to play a few games in 2007 and. I was actually emergency for all those final series, but um, okay. never actually. I didn't get selected, but I was I was knocking on the door. I was almost there, and then sort of at the end of that was difficult. But we were sort of a bit um, our team that year because Nathan Thompson actually done his knee as well. So it was actually um, Tomo and myself who were the, the leading goalkeepers from the year before. Yeah. We're out of the team, so it was a bit of a makeshift forward line. So I think Corey Jones did a super job that year with Shannon Grant and and kicked kicked a truckload of goals between them. Um, and, yeah, so difficult at times, but there was also – it was sort of light because I was emergency for some finals and I thought I'll, if I could just get one final, um, that would make that whole year better. Um, yeah. It didn't eventuate, but sort of at the end of 2007, I think that's when potentially that year that um, maybe Troy Makepeace had, had left and he was the small defender. Yeah. Um, and – We'd had Jesse Smith come, starting to come through at that point in time. It was a talented, talented junior, but then obviously had a lot of injuries and yeah. never sort of got going as a player. Um, and there was a bit of a gap in, in our back line that, would, that required a, a, a small defender who could um, sort of lock down on guys. And that's through, yeah, through Dean Laidley and, and Darren Crocker. Um, I, I was instilled that role. So I, I was very fortunate. And I can tell you that halfback role is a lot easier than playing as a half forward. So, yeah. Um, and I think that 2008 and 2009 were, were clearly my two best years in my career. You you just uh, went on to my next question anyway. I was going to talk to you about your back line. Like, I know you, yeah, in 2008 you sort of came into the back line um, because, yeah, I mean, obviously the roles were limited. Um, obviously in the forward line you talked about a bunch of names there. So did you enjoy that role playing as a small defender? Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Should have done that earlier. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that's uh, – Fair enough, and obviously that's come through coaches. So yeah, what what, what did you love about it? It's just um, is it just a lot easier playing on someone, and then you can you can play to your strengths where you you get the handball receiving, you just dash and yeah, break the lines sort of thing. Was it was it that? Yeah, there's there there's a few elements to it. I think that when you when you're playing against a small forward and you know what they're thinking, um, and where you think they should be at certain points, I think that was my my strength was that I was able to 
get around the paddock but know what the small forward was thinking and where he might go next. Um, or if I was playing that position where I would go next. So based on where the ball was. So, yeah, coming through, you know, playing you know, Aaron Davey and, and Cyril Rioli, those types that were fast and nippy and I could sort of match them to some. Um, yeah. but, but I also knew that where their next move might go and I was sort of already ahead of them because they were, um, although Aaron Davey is similar age to me, but Cyril was a little bit younger. Um, and all the small fours that I'd sort of played on were a little bit um, younger than me. I, I sort of knew what they should be doing, but I was already ahead of them and knowing where they were wanting to go. So I, I could try and stamp that out and then just use, um, I guess, some footy smarts in trying to get hold of the ball and, and run off and create when where needed and um, and use use some of the attributes that I was I was granted. No, that, yeah, that's awesome. No, yeah, no, you certainly um, – I mean, it's a role that you can be a bit more consistent in, whereas if you're a forward, I mean, you're relying a little bit on things up the ground. I mean, I know you've got to create for yourself, but it is definitely a lot harder as playing as a forward than, than as a defender. So, yeah, no, that's um, – yeah, that's that's a really good – that was a really good transition for you towards the of your career. So do you – like you've mentioned off new names, Savaroka, Digby Morrell, Adam Lang. Do you still keep in touch with um, a lot of people from the club that you played with? Yeah, 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 regularly – Speak to yeah, like Drew Petria caught up. So, uh, so I'm currently residing in Brisbane. Have been for the last eight or nine years now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So West Coast come up this year, and um. Yeah. Drew Petria's involved in involved with them. So I caught up and have a coffee with him. So anytime there's sort of those those players that are um up in Brisbane, I try and make contact and and catch them at the hotel. Obviously, COVID last couple of years has been a little bit challenging. Um. With that stuff and you know the can't actually go and um, see those guys, but even yeah, yeah, yeah in North Melbourne people when they they actually they actually trained for and stayed in hubs up here. I actually went and watched them train a couple of times and caught up with uh, some of the some of the staff that were still there when I was there as well. So um, awesome. yeah, Drew yeah, Daniel Pratt, um, yeah, I spoke with with Boom Harvey only you know two or three weeks ago. So there's regular people that you actually catch um, talk to. Brady Rawlings obviously now back at the footy club. Um, you know Corey Jones is. Yeah, a plethora of people that you still still run into. You know, I ran into Matty Campbell a couple of years ago. We were, we were both coaching, coached the state sort of under 16s in Queensland a couple of years ago, and Matty was coaching the state 16s for the NT. So just bound to catch up with those people. Um, yeah, Eddie Sansbury, I saw oh. up in Cairns a few weeks ago. I see Ben Warren, um, Andrew Swallow. Like there's people that are living in, in Queensland, Jess Sinclair. Um, yeah, there's, there's lots of ex kangaroo people that are, that are around, and you, and you just run into just through through being through AFL, um, still up here in Queensland. No, that's awesome. I mean, I mean, in the last twelve months, there's been a lot of people move from Melbourne to Queensland because obviously with uh, the whole COVID situation. So it's good. Uh, is that something that um, that uh, is pretty much you know like. I guess, how do I put it? Like, um, is that something like your friendship? Is that what you remember the most? Like the friendships that you've made? Is that um, the biggest thing for you? Or is it uh, like you still, like obviously you had a great career, but it's it's the friendships and the people that uh, you played with that you that you fondly remember, don't you, really? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess when, you, when you're in the age of, you know, 19 to 29, 30, when you're going through those years, I think your most influential years, I suppose. So, the, you know, those friendships, other than, you know, potential school friends that you do, um, keep in contact with when, when you're growing up like they're probably the most influential people that um you do have friendships with and you you create bonds with and um you know go through 
through certain circumstances, um, you know, ups and downs of winning games of footy, or just um, you know, on footy trips, whatever it is that you create bonds with, and um, and and you stay in touch, and um, you can not see someone for you know ten years, but you can pick up the phone and they'll answer at the other end, which is always um, is always good. Yeah, no, that's that's really good to hear. So, two thousand and ten, like uh, obviously your last year. Um, so, what's uh, retirement been like since uh, you stopped uh, playing? Like, have you, like I noticed you've been uh, had a few assistant coaching roles and even senior coaching roles. That's obviously a lot harder than playing. Yeah. So, going back to so two thousand seven, when I did that knee, I actually did some study. Um, oh, awesome. I did ex- exercise sports science. So, once I actually finished my career. Um, employed by North Melbourne, so I was I was part of the strength and conditioning team, and oh. um, exercise rehab was yeah, anyone who's injured who come through me. So I'd obviously been through some injuries through my career, and was able to help guide them and and um, try and rebuild them as best we could to get them back out in the park. So I spent two years there, and but also continued to play in the VFL with Werribee, who were at that time still aligned with with North Melbourne, um, and I was assistant coach of the backline group there and played. So that that's where the coaching sort of um, passion come from and then uh, yeah 2013 there was a, a job come up at the Brisbane Lions um, and I just threw my hat in the ring it was to coach their their NEFL team and be a development coach and um, I actually got the job so I early 2013 it was February I think I, I flew up to, to Brisbane and, and took that position so it was quite a late position um, because it was basically going straight into the season so yeah I, I took over their, their coaching their NEFL team and um yeah, we obviously was lucky enough. We won the premiership in my first year of coaching. I thought, how, how easy is this job? Um, <laughs> but, um, as as things evolve, and you know, we had a lot of injuries and stuff at, at Brisbane that time. I spent four years at Brisbane, um, and as a development coach and, and coaching through the NEFL. So that that's sort of what I did. And then post that, I went into to coach Redland, which is also part of the the NEFL, um state league for for a couple of years before then I then become employed by AFL Queensland. Um, and that, that's my current role today as a uh, competitions manager. So I manage all the, the competitions in um, southeast Queensland. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my current role. But I've also had some uh, coaching stuff just with the state programs that are up in Queensland with the 16s and 17s last year. So, yeah, still got my hand a little bit in coaching, but but not as much as what I did um, post my career straight away. So, yeah, enjoying your like, uh, are you sort of happy to sort of just play a bit part in coaching now and just um, focus on, the, you know, your current role at the moment? Yeah, I, I still have a, a passion for coaching um, and, and more more the development side of things and putting programs together, building a, building an athlete and, and having that exercise science background helps with that so I can actually get a, a, an athlete from, from start to finish. Um, and I've also got um, – I'm actually – also a qualified secondary teacher, which I also did um, in 2015, I think. So okay. um, the education side is, is something that I that I enjoy and, and helping others um, to just have an influence on, on what their journey might be um, throughout their life. That's that's what I'm passionate about. Oh, that's uh, that, Yeah, that's really good. You obviously kept yourself very busy um, and you, you're very uh, determined and focused to always look um, for that next role and, yeah, just um, give back a bit to the game from uh, your experiences playing, you know, 140-odd games of AFL. That's, um, yeah, that's really good to hear. So do you still uh, follow the club much today or like uh, North Melbourne? Do you still sort of keep an eye on them, how they're going or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually a life member, so I can't, oh, that's can't, actually, can't get rid of me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, 
yeah, yeah, we do. And I've got a young fella as well who's, um, yeah, he's now starting to get some interest in footy, sort of at the Oz kick age um, and superstars age. So we go, we try and go to as many games as we can. We're probably a bit fortunate in sort of 2020 and um, definitely 2020, we got to sort of like about half a dozen Kangaroos games. Um, obviously, the results went what we wanted them to be, but just them being able to be in Queensland and see some more footy, um, very limited crowds, but we were very blessed as as Queensland as a state, you know, through this whole sort of last couple of years of COVID that we've still been able to have community sport and the sport being played so you could actually go and, and, and get out of the house and in, enjoy those those moments with um, with other people. Um, so, yeah, we have been fortunate, but, yeah, obviously still have a, a very keen eye on, on what the kangaroos are doing. Yeah, oh, that's no, that's good to hear. No, it's it's handy that you're a life member too, so you get invited to all the functions when they come up. So that'll be good. So, I mean, you got you got two kids, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah, have they got the the old man's pace or not? Uh, not just yet. <laughs> my daughter's not real sporty. She's a bit more dance and um, and drama-ish type person. Um, but yeah, the, the young fella is. Um, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Um, yeah. He seems like he does move somewhat quickly. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, he's a bit more sort of cars and balls, all that sort of stuff. So so he has taken interest in, in the footy. Um, obviously, it's now a little bit of cricket that we're trying to get as well, just with hand-eye sort of stuff. But yeah, he's always trying to kick the ball and mark it, all that sort of stuff. So he's, he's obviously at the early stage of, of that um, that skill and that game. But um, yeah, I like spending time in the backyard, you know, having a kick and a catch. Oh, okay. So did you play cricket back in the day as well or just... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, cricket, always a cricket and, and foot, cricket in the summer and footy in the winter. Um, yeah, so I, I really enjoy, um, yeah, the, the game of cricket and, and what it brings. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, it would be a bit uh, warmer in uh, Queensland than uh, Bannockburn, I'll, I'll assume, for you. So. Yeah, yeah. We actually play cricket all year round up here. They actually play in winter as well because it's, uh, it's a very nice time to play during winter. It's about 21 degrees most days um, and, um, yeah, not a breath of wind in the sky. So it's uh, – no, it's – it's a good uh, good environment to bring the kids up. Uh, no, very nice. And you're a batter, obviously. Uh yeah, I do bat, and I do bowl. I do bowl as well, but um, yeah, I do prefer to bat. Yeah, that's all right. So I'm sure you'd be going for those few quick singles. So <laughs> yeah, with your pace, anyway. So yeah, no, just block and run. You'll be right. So, uh, anyways, Lee, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, to join me. Um, yeah, no, it's been you know, like I really uh, enjoyed watching you play back in the 2000s. So I really appreciate the time you've taken with me today. No worries, Dean. It sounds like I still owe you a beer. So hopefully now they've allowed crowds back to the races, mate. We might um, run into each other one day and we'll, I'll shout you that beer back. Oh, no, that'll be awesome, mate. Yeah, I think Kingy owes me one as well. So if you can send him a text, that'd be handy. So it was a crown lager, I remember. So. Hey. That's no problems. All good. Yeah, no, thanks very much, Lee. I, uh, I, yeah, look forward to speaking to you one day in the future, hopefully. So, yeah, and get that beer. No worries. All good. Thanks, Dan. No worries. All the best, mate. Take it easy. Bye, mate. See you, mate. So that was the turtle. It was good to get him to come out of his shell. I remember growing up um, when I was oh, – not growing up. I was in my 20s when I went and watched him. But uh, when I used to sit with someone, I'd always say, you know, whether we're behind or whether we're in front, I'd always say, well, just wait, the turtle's going to come out of his shell. And then I find out today on an interview, that's how he got his nickname. He came out of his shell, which I had no idea about. Um, that took – that, that uh, weighed very heavily on my shoulders finding out how, how a guy with that much pace and how quick he was – that uh, he got a nickname Turtle. So it was good to get a reasoning for that. And uh, a couple of beers later, apparently he would come out of his shell. So that was good. Um, 
still owes me a beer. But um, yeah, look, I, I really enjoyed watching him play. I always enjoyed players with pace. Um, uh, grow, yeah, growing up, I, I had um, Brett Allison. I used to idolise him as well. So really, uh, really enjoy those types of players, those coming forwards, because I know how hard of a position uh, that is. Anyways. So that was it for this episode. Uh, next ne- next episode, um, I've got a couple of things in the works. I'm not too sure what I'm going to do at the moment, but that'll probably be out next week. Um, I hope you enjoyed uh, the interview with Lee Harding. I've got a few shout-outs because I did put it up on Twitter um, to guess the player, and there was a few that guessed it, so I'm not going to give you a shout-out to a former player. I'm going to give you a shout-out to the people that um, answered correctly. So I had... Uh, Flash at Flash Nicole. She was the first one in with Lee Harding. Well done. Joe Carmody, he came in with Lee Harding. Uh, Dave Fitzpatrick uh, came in with Lee Harding. Uh, Greg Bonova, B-A-N-O-V-A. He said Austin McCrabb, so I don't know where we got that. He never played for North Melbourne. Uh, And Maney, the world, at the world mayor. So, geez, he's, Sounds like a big title. He also said Lee Harding. So well done to those people. You get a shout out on my show. Um, yeah, thanks very much for listening. Uh, yeah, don't forget to give it a rating, review, all those sorts of fun things on um, on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out the show. And that's it for me. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And until next time, bye for now.